Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is David Staub, and I am here with my amazing wife. Hi, guys. This is Megan. So we're coming together to talk to you all, and we're really excited about this. Uh, we started a company called Magical, and the mission of Magical is to heal the world, which I know sounds extreme. And how do you heal the world? Well, you heal the world by healing it one soul or one mindset at a time. And certainly we don't have all the answers to that. Uh, all we really have is our story, which is a pretty pretty epic one of uh, things that myself and Megan have overcame, uh, a bunch of different things. It, goes, it ranges from addiction to trauma, uh, suppressed trauma, all the way from childhood to adulthood. And, uh, you know, a, a pretty incredible story uh, that ended up leading. I'm not going to jump too far ahead. Uh, we'll get to the, near the end of this episode, but it led to a pretty powerful plant medicine called ayahuasca, which is pretty controversial right now. Um, but before we get to that, the mission of this podcast, we want to create a platform along with Magical through this podcast that allows people to openly talk about what they went through what they're dealing with and how they healed in a natural way. We firmly believe that we have this natural healing power within us uh, that that has the ability to heal. And, and there's different ways to heal that uh, we don't think society and the world really puts out there. You know, pharmaceuticals aren't doing the job. I think there's no secret there. Uh, pharmaceuticals and these fake ways to just mask the issue and put a band-aid over it, that's not genuine healing. Um, and Megan, any, if you've got anything to throw in here, just, just jump in. Um, but, you know, th- those aren't the ways to heal. And in our story, you know, we went through and we tried everything. We tried all of society's ways to heal what we both had and what we were going through. And both of it just led to disappointment after disappointment. So the way we're going to, what we're going to do with this podcast, this is the first episode, so bear with us a little bit, (laughs) Um, but we're going to tell our story, what we both went through briefly. It won't be too long of a podcast. We're just going to hit the high points and really what helped us heal. Moving forward, we have a list right now of a little over 50 people that we're going to be interviewing and talking to. We want to know what is it that caused the illness or the damage or the trauma, uh, what kind of, uh, from that damage, what, what, what happened, what kind of illness came from that, what kind of symptoms were happening, what diseases were getting created, what is it that was going on, what did you try and what didn't work, and then lastly and most importantly, how did you heal? What was it that actually healed you? And our, our vision for this is to create a podcast and create a platform where millions of people can go to and listen to and look for something that could potentially, that they're going through and they could look for advice on how to heal from it. Uh, you know, I, we firmly believe we're all connected. We are all connected. And this, more than anything, we think the world needs healing right now. And it's just, man, it's going, it's going to it in all the wrong places. Um, so we're really excited about this. You know, we'll start out, you know, I had, uh, growing up, I, or in my early years, I had addiction, but I'll talk about that. And, but really the, the most interesting and powerful and just beautiful story is really my wife, 
Um, She's such a testament to uh, uh, strength and overcoming some pretty incredible things. We're we're writing a book right now about it, and we started a Facebook group that just garnered over 1,500 members in just the past few months, uh, all based off of her story of just this incredible triumph over some pretty tough things. Uh, She had a lot of repressed, deep uh, trauma you know, from abuse, deep abuse, I mean, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse from a child all the way to early adulthood. And it just started growing into these horrible pains and sicknesses and chronic illnesses. And man, we went through the ringer trying everything, everything under the sun, every diet, everything to try and um, heal these things. And there were so many misdiagnoses and Anyway, we did eventually, there was a light at the end of that tunnel. There was a a beautiful light, which is where we are now, which led us on a pretty divine mission uh, of healing for for the earth and all of its uh, beautiful people and souls. Anyway, so as if uh, I was interviewing the people we're going to be interviewing, I'm going to be interviewing my wife, Megan. (laughs) Uh, So she shouldn't feel too uncomfortable. Um, So uh, I'm going to be going through a few interview questions. And again, this is our first podcast, so don't go too hard on us. I'm just actually doing this on the fly here. We're just sitting in our meditation room in our house and uh, we just had kind of some inspired action to start a podcast and start talking. So uh, without further ado, um, Megan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Cool. So I know it's probably tough to talk about, um, but you've kind of explained at this point, you've explained your story a good amount of times to people. uh, But I'd love you just to kind of to hit the high points and low points or high points of the things you kind of went through as a child into early adulthood. I guess the stuff where the trauma occurred from there, we'll go into how it started showing symptoms in your body within and around your, 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 um, your body and your experiences in life. But let's start out with what is it that actually caused all the, the damage? Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely, damage from multiple things but the ultimate root cause of everything um definitely is the abuse that I suffered as a child um you know I went through things that no child should ever ever go through and I feel very lucky to be alive and I feel like my mom is lucky to be alive and you know it's so unfortunate because I do want to start off by saying I had an amazing family though before before the abuse started. Um, My mother had me at a young age, she was 17, and um, she went off to college to get her degree, and so I was raised by my grandparents who were amazing, and all of my, you know, aunts and my uncle, they were just like older brothers and sisters, you know, and so like I honestly never felt like I missed out. I know, oh, let me back up, I didn't have a a father. my mother, the guy, my father, uh, he ended up leaving my mother because um, she didn't want to have an abortion. I guess that's something that maybe he had mentioned, and she didn't want to do that. She knew, you know, how wrong that was, and so um, obviously she didn't do that. I was born almost a month early or something crazy like that. Like I say, crazy just because I ended up being born on my father's birthday. Um, but anyway, I never felt like I missed out on a father figure because my grandfather was great and my uncle was just amazing. Um, and then my grandma, oh my gosh, she's just, she's everything. Um, so I lived with them up until the, 
I guess third grade is I lived with them through the third grade and then I found out it, it just all happened so quickly I found out that my mother um, was dating someone and then all of a sudden bam was engaged and gonna be married and I was excited because I was told that I was gonna have a dad and how old were you here what I don't know. Math is not my thing. Um, I was, I don't know, whatever you are in the third grade, eight, maybe? Seven, eight. Um, yeah, definitely around seven, eight years old. And, you know, I, all my friends, you know, when I would have little sleepovers or whatever, or even just at school talking to other, you know, friends, you know, they always would say, my dad this, my dad that, and I could not ever say that. And so I was seriously so excited to be able, like, I was going to be able to say that, you know, and just fit in and have that same experience that everyone else, every other normal kid was having. And, oh man, unfortunately it was so bad. So, so bad. Um, you know, and it, 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 it got scary, like, from the moment she said, I do. Like, literally, the day that she said, I do, that day, he showed his true colors, which were super evil. Like, I honestly wanted, the best way for me to describe what I went through was, like, demonic, honestly. And, man, my poor mom, you know, she, I know she was doing the best that she could. Um... But I saw him hurt her a lot. I saw him call her horrible things in front of me, but I saw him physically hurt her. You know, there would be times that we would be, he was an alcoholic, he was an ex-Marine. And the thing that sucked is that like, he was such a charmer on the outside that, and he was a nurse and he was a charmer. So like people that worked with him, like just thought he was amazing. Anyone that met him thought he was just amazing. And like, he was so, so evil. And, um, you know, there were times that like, we would be in the car with him and he would try to run off the road and tell us that he was going to kill us and like try to run the car off the road. And I was eight years old, you know, that's so scary, you know, or just anything like he would be just so mean for anything and just beat me. You know, I remember one time we had, um, <clears throat> beats at the dinner table and I didn't like them. I mean, duh, they're beets. I like vegetables, but beets aren't one of them. And, I mean, I still don't like them, but, like, uh, I didn't want to eat them. And so, he got up from the table. He shoved them down my throat until I threw up. And then I got beaten for throwing up. Um, you know, there were just so many times that, like, you know, my mom would be like, Megan, you know, I would be staying the night at a slumber party or, like, up with a friend. And, Megan, you know, my mom would say, hey, Megan, you know, Mike, Mike's coming to pick you up. He's in a really bad mood, so please just don't say anything. And I was just terrified, you know, terrified, you know, times that, I remember one time I was driving to, he was driving me to school, I was like in the fourth grade, I had the hiccups, and I was about to do something, I can't even remember what it was now, but it was something like amazing that I was going to do, whether it was a school function or with a friend, I cannot remember, but I was really excited about it, whatever it was. And all of a sudden, he just told me I didn't get to go anymore for no reason. And I started bawling. And then he started cracking up laughing. He was like, you don't have the hiccups anymore. And I was supposed to start my school day, you know? Like, he was just so mean. But, yeah, he, he physically beat me. Um, you know, there was a time that, one time that he left my mom at, like, 4 a.m. in the morning. Left her, like, downtown Dallas, like, where not a good area, where something bad could happen to her. And he said, 
came home saying that something bad was going to happen. And, like, she didn't have anything, I don't think. I can't remember, like, if she had her purse. I don't think she had anything. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. Um, he was just evil. And you know what? Honestly, like, me telling you what I'm telling you right now is not even painting the picture of how truly dark it was. But, um, you know, the part that really messed me up, you know, and I will say it was just scary, you know, seeing the domestic violence, I would literally, you know, not be doing what normal children my age should be doing. I would be hiding under my bed in my room, reading my precious moments Bible, just like begging for like safety and help. And I wasn't ever allowed to talk to me. I had mentioned earlier, my uncle was amazing. My uncle Bruce and uh, Mike was my stepfather. He would never let me call him or anything. I wasn't ever allowed to talk to him and it was just horrible. And, and, and I did get to go sometimes in the summer to still go see my grandparents and like, I wasn't the same little girl and they didn't know why. Like I had a temper and like they didn't get what was wrong with me, but going back to what I was going to say, this is what was going on. I was also, in addition to all these things that I'm telling you, I was being molested and oh man it's so crazy how the mind works because I remember you know my door cracking open god I can still see it so vividly like the it's a dark room and then the door cracks open I can see the light coming in the room and then my stepfather comes in pulls down my pants and starts uh, ugh, starts performing oral sex on me. And I remember saying, ooh, gross. And he was like, it's not gross. And then he continued. And like the craziest thing is that I went to sleep. And <laughs> I never, I mean, that's just crazy to me. You know, like how could you sleep through something like that being done to you? You know, like crazy. Um but the mind is so, so powerful, and I did that for survival and, like, a coping mechanism. I disassociated. I feel like I splintered off into a lot of different things and suppressed everything, you know? And I do remember, in my way, trying to tell my mom the next day when I could. I mean, I was never, like, really alone with her much, but I remember saying, like, Mike was being really weird last night, and uh, it's not her fault. She just didn't dig deep and ask the questions because you know I didn't I didn't know what I experienced you know um but then it's crazy like there's seriously hundreds of times that I went to bed with clothes on and I would wake up completely naked and I wouldn't and I would be so confused and I wouldn't know like how that happened it was like a mind torture honestly I thought I was going crazy because I was like am I imagining these things and like I don't know, just so, so crazy, and, you know, and I remember, like, you know, having physical problems as a little girl, you know, um, I don't know the proper term, like, way to word this, I'm trying to think, um, so, okay, let me just put it to you this way, I had to go to a doctor when I was a little girl, and they had to look at my rectum, my anus, whatever you want, I don't know what I should say, and, um, I had tears and I had a lot of bleeding that would occur and gosh I wish at that moment it would have like been like a come to Jesus moment for my mom and for the doctor but it wasn't you know they told me you know I had like a fissure cut or whatever and and then that was it and but it was because of the things that my stepfather did to me 
and I honestly still suffer that problem to this day. You know, it can still flare up, which, you know, is unfortunate, but that is like seriously like the mildest <laughs> symptom, physical symptom that I had. But like, I guess one other thing I can say just real quick and you know, I'm not going to just go into it forever. I mean, there's just so much more I could tell. Um, but you know, the things that I worried about as a little girl, man, and not knowing about the law of attraction, right? And but like, I remember being in like, I don't know, fourth grade and they were teaching us in school about AIDS, HIV. And it's crazy because I'm sure none of those other kids thought anything of it, right? They were probably bored, if anything. And I was truly terrified and I was like 24-7 in my mind worried that I was going to get it because of what my stepfather was doing to me. And that's tough to like focus on like being afraid you're going to get a disease that could kill you from something that's being done to you that you just have no control over. And so, man, it was just on so many levels, such a horrible thing. And then, you know, that was the main, that was the worst abuse that I've endured. I mean, he was truly so demonic and evil, but there are definitely other things that happened after him throughout life that were definitely traumatic, that definitely still contributed contributed to physical sickness later in my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I obviously I know about those things. And uh, what we later realized too, you know, we've done a lot of studying uh, from this and we'll get into kind of what it resulted on, what it resulted in later on in your life uh, that you experienced was what the brain does during those traumatic times when it's too much, too fast for the brain, it suppresses it deep into the subconscious. So it's going on and because it's too much for your like little mind to handle as a child, especially, I mean, this happens to adults, but especially as a child, it suppresses way down. So you don't even, just like you said, you disassociated and it shoved it into the subconscious, but it, it's still there. That's the scary part, right? It's still there. Um, so thanks for sharing that. And I know that uh, there, from that, you know, going on with the law of attraction, which will, you know, we can talk about here and there, but that we'll leave that for more of a different episode. You're, what you didn't realize was because of that, because of that fear of having that kind of person uh, in your life, you ended up without even knowing it, attracting somewhat of the same similar person as you got older. Oh, Can you yeah. speak on that? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Thoughts are things, 1,000%. Um, so, well, let me just go in. What I can tell you is a little bit more of my traumas and, and tie it all back to that. Um, so, the reason why I even was able to finally come out about my stepfather after eight years of horrible abuse and watching my mom be horribly abused... Um, Man, I'm so scared watching that. Um, was then we had my uncle and my grandparents, my family. We had a family friend of the family who was my uncle's best friend, really, all through high school and I guess college. And they like were very active in the church together, you know. And anyway, he was also someone that always was in my life starting at a young age. And when any time he would come to visit or like there were times he stayed with our family and my grandparents and my uncle and I was always so excited to see him. Like he was just like, he was like the another uncle, you know, like he was so fun and he would like play with me and like always make time for me. And, um, man, it's, 
it sounds weird because I was a child and he was an adult. Um, but when I was in, gosh, was it sixth grade or eighth grade? Uh, so yeah, he um, stayed with my grandparents and I was there, it was in the summer. And as a little girl, my uncle, and then he would too, you know, with like the way that I would always fall asleep is they would tickle my back and it was such an innocent thing. There was nothing to that at all. And, um, yeah, he started doing it and at that point I had developed breast, you know, and, um, and then he started fondling me and I completely freaked out when he started like touching me in places and, I remember I ran to my uncle's room and told him that, but told him everything about my stepfather. Everything came out in that night, in that moment, you know? So I don't know, I don't know if I want to say I attracted that per se, but you know, that happened, you know, then, but this one, I will say I probably attracted. So, you know, you hear when you're, you hear about abuse cases that, you know, oh, you know, the person that got abused oftentimes can grow up to become an abuser themselves or you hear you know oh the person that was in the abusive relationship will you know end up being in other abusive relationships they'll keep being with those type of men and like that terrified me because I'd heard that and um, I also didn't know that like gosh if you focus on your fears you're gonna attract them and anyway, that was something that I focused on for many, many years. I was so terrified of ending up being with someone that was, you know, bad like that. And so I always was like, I will never be with someone like that. I will never be with someone like that. And then um, when I was 27, so in my mid-20s, I met a guy who it's so crazy how I didn't see it coming um, because he was a charmer on the outside just like my stepfather was he was just way better looking um, but he was like very good looking he was very charming he would buy me flowers for no reason all the time and like honestly he was kind of too good to be true at least at that time in my life I've never had anyone like treat me like that you know like buy me flowers all the time and like you know make me feel good and man, same thing happened. And so yeah, I do feel like I may have, may have attracted that unintentionally. And he got drunk, you know, I, I'm not gonna go into the details of it, but um, we got married. I, 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 said, I, tell, I tell people that I, I got married, but I never had a husband because he never lived with me after we got married. I had moved to another state, which was already planned to take a great job and he was supposed to go with me and he didn't. And, but then I was having a company Christmas party and they were going to, I was actually holding it at my um, home and he got jealous and so he wanted to show up and um, he got like crazy drunk and he completely beat the crap out of me that night. Um, I mean, like it was horrible. I remember, you know, the party ended. He was being completely embarrassing when I'm trying to move up in this company. It's my first job out of college and I'm doing very well and I'm wanting to move up. And um, they loved me, you know. And he was being really like obnoxious and embarrassing and I was humiliated. And I remember telling him whenever he came home, we both came inside and shut the door, everyone's gone. And I was just like, you completely humiliated me and it completely made him snap and all of a sudden he accused me of cheating and I'm like seriously I 
this is my first job out of college and it's retail and I was working like I swear like 60 plus hours a week open to close and you know I worked with I was in fashion so the guys that I did work with were were gay so I'm like are you kidding me like I have no time to cheat on you and secondly it's your fault you're not living with me you know like crazy and Oh, man, he, I'll give you the short version, but he, we're in the kitchen. Thank God he didn't get a knife. I mean, I keep looking back to that. I'm like, oh, thank God. But he got me by my hair and he pulled me all the way from across the living room kitchen to the living room floor, all the way into the bedroom, which is very painful to being dragged by your hair like that. And then he threw me on my bed. And I remember I just bought some like cream satin sheets and um, he threw me on my bed and then just started I mean, like, putting my knee up into my chin, like, putting me in all these, like, headlocks and, like, just throwing me around like a rag doll. And, like, his nails were, like, cutting my back. And so, and my shirt was being ripped open. And there was blood on my sheets. And then I remember he threw me on the ground. And it knocked the, you know, wind, the, the air out of me. And then he got on top of me. And he was just like, don't make me hurt you. Just started screaming. And at that point, I was just in survival mode. And so... I lied. At that point, I didn't want to say, well, at that point, what I did say was like, I'm, I love you. I'm sorry. Even though I was like, he's crazy. Um, I wanted to do anything, you know, in hopes of calming him down. And so I was just like, please, I'm so sorry. I love you. And that actually made it worse. And he just started repeatedly like hitting my face, just like beating me. And like, I had two black eyes that were swollen. I mean, like I was beaten to a bloody pulp. And I remember just started praying, and I believe that, I mean, I know that's what saved me. I started praying, and when I started praying, um, all of a sudden there was a siren that went by, and it freaked him out enough that he got off of me, and I remember that he sat on the edge of the bed that was like literally like five feet of that from the closet, which there was a gun. He had a gun in our closet, and he started rocking his hand. He had his hands over his head. He started rocking on the edge of the bed, and he was like, he was like, I'm going to fucking kill myself. And I was like, oh my God, he is going to kill me. And then he's going to kill himself. And that's going to be it. And in that moment, I just got up and took off running. And like, I couldn't find my phone, but I saw his phone on the edge of the doorway on the little ledge thing. So I grabbed and just took off running. My breasts were hanging out. My shirt was completely ripped open. I didn't have shoes on. I mean... No one was there to help me, which was crazy, because at this point, I lived in uptown Houston, uptown Houston, this huge apartment complex, very nice and uptown, and, like, there was no one to be found, and I finally hide in these people's balcony in the bushes and get my phone and call 911. I call HPD. And at that time, I also called, um, I couldn't remember any of my family's phone numbers. I didn't know my friend, no one's phone numbers, because he had my phone, and, like, I didn't have anything memorized, but I happened to know my mom and my uncles. And so I called until one of them, I can't remember who it was, answered. And I spoke with my mom and my uncle and until the cops got there. And I remember hearing, Justin was his name, and I remember hearing him run out um, and like looking for me. And man, he had such a dark, evil, cold eye and just like looking for me. And... Um, Eventually he left and the cops come and I just start taking off running towards them. I get in the car. I finally feel safe and relieved. And they're like, ma'am, is this the first offense? If this is this, this is really bad. And they're like, is there any guns? Because if there are, we will shoot him. Yada, yada. Long story short, um, 
they, my mom or my uncle had called my phone, which he answered because they didn't realize that I didn't have my phone. And he was being crazy to them. And then they hear the whole thing. Like, HPD bangs on the door, um, bust it down. They hear the phone hit the ground. Justin hits the ground and they take him in. And I do believe I attracted that. Got it. Wow. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I've heard this story a bunch, especially now since we're uh, kind of putting the message out there because it all kind of ties in together with uh, what all of this trauma actually creates. Uh, uh, but it doesn't matter how many times you hear it. It's just crazy to relive it. I'm sure it is uh, 10 times more so for, for you to go through it. So I appreciate you still sharing that. Um, you know, so this trauma, all this trauma you went through as a child and this trauma you're going through as a, as a young adult, this damage that's happening in your, your physically, but it's even mentally and, and emotionally and all this trauma that is getting repressed so you can like survive. At what point did you start getting symptoms? Because at the time when you started getting symptoms, I mean, you thought and we thought for the longest time they were totally unrelated. So what time did you start getting symptoms? Uh, what kind of symptoms were you getting? When did all of that start happening? So I had anxiety and I had insomnia at a young age. You know, I mean, like literally since the moment the abuse started, you know, like elementary, junior high, high school, I had horrible anxiety. But in high school is when the horrible insomnia started and I could not sleep at night. I could fall asleep easier than I could stay asleep for sure. Um, but it wasn't on the level that it got to at a later time. But what I can tell you is there was, so I would say a, a large majority of the physical sickness that I started to develop was from the physical and the sexual abuse and the mental abuse that I su suffered with my stepfather. However, there was one other, well, I have a few other traumas that happened after that, but one in particular that it was almost like a light switch for my physical illness. It was like it put, it was the one thing, the one trauma that after these other things that happened that like, I guess just, it was like, that's it. It was the thing that like turned that light switch and the sickness started. And that was, and it's something that like, it's crazy that I can talk about it now. I think ayahuasca helped that a lot, but for so many years, I did not speak of this. Like, best friends, you know, did not know this about me because I was so shameful of it. Um, you know, I was grown and grow, grown up and raised in a very Christian religious upbringing, which I'm thankful for, absolutely. Um, but there's some things that like they don't agree with, or they they worry about that that I'm into that they think are too metaphysical and and I'm like no it goes it goes right back to the Bible you know I I really believe the same way they do essentially you know and they just don't realize that 100% um but anyway the thing that happened is I was dating a guy in college and we've been dating for a couple years and this actually happened before the incident with Justin the guy that I was engaged to so this is actually right before that right before I met Justin. I was with this guy for a couple of years and I got pregnant and um, I knew it was wrong, um, but I was just so afraid of disappointing my family and letting them down, which crushes them because my uncle said something that I'll never forget um, and I'll tell you that in a second. But anyway, you know, 
we agreed, you know, he wanted, you know, wanted me to have an abortion. And so we agreed to do that. And, um, I was so worried at the time about the physical pain that was going to come with that. I had no idea the emotional pain that I was in for. I had no clue, no freaking clue. Um, and I was sick all the time. I threw up all the time. Like definitely had morning sickness, but it lasted all day long. You know, I would be in class in college and have to run out of the bath, run out of class, go to the bathroom and throw up. And you know, it sucked. And I remember him driving me to the abortion clinic, and we had to pull over on the side of the road not to throw up because I was so nauseated. And you know, I hadn't even at that point in my life. I was young at that point in my life. I was twenty. Um, I hadn't even been to the gynecologist yet. <laughs> hadn't even hadn't even ever had that experience. And then here I am having to have this experience instead. So it was very traumatic. Um, it was painful. Um, but man, I watched them how they just bagged it up and like it's sad because it is a. It's, it, I do believe it's it's a life. You know, like at that point it had its fingers and toes and and anyway, um, that set me over the edge. That led to so much depression and so much worse anxiety. Now, I did have severe PTSD from my stepfather. Like, that was seriously horrible. Um, But the guilt that came with um, having the abortion, I literally thought at that time, this is before I was super tapped in and tuned in and spiritual. I was definitely more religious than spiritual at this point in my life. And I didn't have, I I didn't have the, like, talking to God, spirit, the way that I do now. it wasn't like that then. And um, I thought that God was going to, like, disown me. That, like, I would never get in heaven because I committed, you know, that sin of murder. And, man, that is when everything started. That is when all of a sudden I had food intolerances. You know, I couldn't eat anything I felt like, you know, and like I would blow up and I don't even want to use the word bloated because it was beyond that, like distension, like I looked pregnant, you know, it looked crazy, it looked like an alien in my stomach and like it would stretch out so, I mean, like it would be hard to breathe, you know, and um, just so painful and body pain, back pain, neck pain, um, dry, chronically dry eyes and um yeah, that sucked. And that, that happened, everything, like, I felt like anything I ate, gluten, dairy, soy, like, you name it, like, it would make me debilitated sick. And, like, when I would flare up like that with the food and, and the inflammation, like, it would last anywhere from, like, 9 to 11 days. And, like, chronic fatigue, like, crazy. Um, and it sucked because, like, I could never make plans. Like, if it was 4th of July coming up and all my friends were going to go rent cabins and take the boat out or whatever, like, and they'd want to, like, plan ahead and so I could put money in ahead and, like, save my room. Like, I couldn't do that because I never knew. And I had a flat stomach. Like, I had a great body. I had a flat stomach. And I worked out all the time. And, but yet, I didn't know if I was going to, like, be able to wear a swimsuit that day or not because I just never knew. I just never knew how I was going to feel. And that absolutely started, and it controlled my life, and that started right after that incident happened with the abortion. And and that's when I started going to first conventional medicine, which, and I watched this with my mother. My mother almost died. My mother was sick too, and it all went back to the abuse that she endured, you know? And she learned that stuff sooner than I did, but um, 
I went to conventional doctors. I was diagnosed with lupus, Sjogren's, rheumatoid arthritis. Then another doctor would say, no, you don't have that. And another doctor said, yes, you do have that. Another one saying, no, you don't. And like take all these horrible prescription drugs, pain medicines that just made me like a zombie, but like did not make me feel better at all. Like nothing helped. I mean, acupuncture was like the only thing that would give me relief, but it didn't prevent it from happening. It would just be something that I could go do to get a little bit of relief whenever I had a horrible flare up. But it was expensive, you know? And, you know, I went all these years having these mystery illnesses and no one could figure them out. So then I started going to like holistic doctors, homeopathic doctors who were like way more expensive um, and spend, gosh, so much money with them. And yeah, I would maybe get a little glimmer of hope here and there, but yet, no, none of them truly helped me either. You know, and this went on, like, I'm talking like, was chronically ill for 22 years and was like, oh my God, you know, like I hated, it was a horrible thought, but like the thought I had was like, oh my God, I'm gonna die and no one's gonna know what I had and have until like, did they do my autopsy? You know, like that was a fear, which, oh my God, I'm so glad that didn't happen now that I like know how the universe works and I'm just like focusing on that. Um, but that was definitely a scary thought that I had. Got it. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's so much to go through for the mind and, uh, so many things that you know your conscious and subconscious mind had to had to go through and all that repression and you're so you're having all these you know, mystery illnesses and illnesses and you can't figure it out and uh they put you on and because of your you had pretty intense constant anxiety in your mind from all the stuff as a child your day constantly was an anxiety is that right oh yeah absolutely i never i didn't know what it was like to live without anxiety i was a chronic nail biter i started biting nails as a when the abuse started in like the third grade, I, fourth grade, I started biting my nails and like, I'm going to talk about biting like till the point I had no nail yeah. and I was always so ashamed. Like I didn't want people to look at my hands, but like it was just such, I couldn't control it. I tried everything. My family tried to help me with everything. Um, yeah, it was hard. It was, it was, it was hard, but I definitely, and, and I also went to therapist, you know, I did go to therapy throughout the years that never helped. You know, I went to Christian counselors. I went to regular counselors. I went to psychiatrists who put me on crazy medicines. I'm, you know, I, I went to, you name it. I, I, I did it. And none of that helped. So, none so, of it. And all, they, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say, and at that point, because the anxiety was so bad, it was a Christian counselor actually that put me on Xanax. Mm -hmm. No, it was Klonopin. And then eventually... After 10 years of taking Klonopin, like, and keep having to raise the dose, raise the dose, it would not work really anymore. So then they switched me to Xanax because I couldn't just get off of Klonopin because I had, like, physical withdrawals. Like, they were, like, debilitating sick. And um, so then I was on Xanax for another 10 years after that. And that yeah. is the only way I could cope, though, in society. And, and sleep. And sleep. Yep. And wake up energized. So, trying to paint the picture for you. All that happened. All that horrible trauma, mystery illnesses coming up, constant anxiety. So, of course, society's ways go to the doctor and get put on a prescription med like Xanax. So 10, 15, 20 years on Xanax. Now, putting the career stuff aside for a second, um, how did you get your mindset out of being able to attract me outside of the same guys? Um, so, I mean, that's... Or, or is there, did you want to go back? Is there more you want to talk about back then? 
I don't know. I had something, but now I think I lost it. So, um, so you know, all these things happened, and it, and and then I will say one other thing happened. I'm not going to go in depth on it, um, but I did meet my biological father when I was 35. That's right. And it was weird. It was weird. Um, it'll be in the book uh, more about it. But I felt like he kidnapped me in a sense. Like, sounds weird. Um, but like at first I was excited again about him too, being like in my life and having a father. But then um, it was like he fell in love with me. And, and it was very, 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 very weird and scary. And my family had to save me. And that honestly put me basically over the deep end whenever I went through that. Um, but then that was my breaking point. Um, and that was totally my breaking point. But then, you know, I started like just doing yoga all the time, you know, and just really getting into that. But then eventually I wasn't able to really do that as much because the sickness got, I started developing new symptoms. And then it was like all of a sudden dislocating in joints, popping joints and like my elbow going out of place. And like all of a sudden, like I couldn't use my shoulder for like a year and a half, like severe pain. Um, so at, during this time, though, I started, um, you know, let me rewind. I, I, I always lived paycheck to paycheck, too, because I had so much medical debt that I couldn't keep up with. So, you know, even though I was great at all of my jobs, you know, like, let's say I made like 50000 a year. That's not, not like a crazy amount or anything. Um, and when you have a medical debt, that's really, really horrible. So during this whole time, I did take a transition. I... Um, took a job that was a commission-based job doing medical software sales, dental software sales. And the reason why I'm even mentioning this is because this is going to answer that question. Um, I didn't know anything about meditation. I didn't know what a positive affirmation was. Never heard of that before. My family made me believe that meditation was basically the devil, you know? <laughs> and... Um, you know, during this time, I took this sales job. It was commission-based, and it was really, really stressful because it was phone sales. I didn't have my looks or anything like that to help. It was phone sales, and they recorded our calls, and they gave you a script, and they put the fear in you, like, you have to stick to this script, and I sounded like a damn robot, and, like, I was horrible. I was horrible, and I was so stressed out because they made such a big deal of, like, when you hit, when you get a deal... Like, the manager yells your name, like, 300, 400 people in the department, like, all cheer for you. And then you go and hit a loud gong. And, like, that was happening all around me all throughout my day, left and right, which was so disheartening because it wasn't happening for me. And it wasn't, like, and the base was 20000 so, like, that's nothing. So, I was stressed out of my mind. Um, but I was giving myself, like, six months in the job because I knew it was going to be a learning curve. And I knew there were people making good money there. And so, I was like, if they can do it, I can do this. And so during this time, everything changed because I was gifted a book called Ask and It Is Given by Jerry and Esther Hicks. It's like an Abraham Hicks book. And it really taught me meditation affirmations and opened my mind up to things. You know, I, of course, I've watched The Secret, you know, and um, really started to play with this stuff. Now, I will tell you that, like, because the way that I was raised, I was like, this is hocus pocus. Like, I didn't believe in it, really. But I also knew that I had no nothing to lose like if there was a one percent chance that this stuff worked and could change my life then so be it 
And so what I did is I started doing um, meditations every single morning, guided ones on abundance, and followed by, listen, um, I would play affirmations that were on abundance, on prosperity, on confidence, success. And I would say them, it was so cheesy, I would say them out loud as I heard them. And then I would write my, you know, what I was grateful for every day. And then I would write my affirmations in the present tense every single day on my on my journal. And um, at night, I would fall asleep to like abundance hypnosis, things like that. And then at my cubicle at work, we had a plexiglass cubicle. And so with a dry erase marker, I would write, you know, I am... And this is so, so lies, but I would write, I am consistently making six figures. Deals come to me easily and effortlessly. Deals come to me in expected and unexpected ways. I am a money magnet, and so it is. I mean, people probably thought I was cuckoo or a witch. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, I was, like, all in, you know? Like, I'm doing this. And the other, and I believed, you know, I started to believe, like, that it could work. And, which was a huge piece of it. Um, because I'm a firm believer that we create with our thoughts and feelings. And um, so during, and then I had a vision board. Like at my cubicle, I had like the house that I wanted. Like the things that like I was working towards. I had them in my little cubicle where I could see them. But I did this every day. The other thing was the action that I took. So the, uh, the office hours where you work from 8.15 till 5.15. And I'm talking like it was a huge warehouse. There was like, I mean, it was a ton of people. There was like... 3,000, maybe a little over total employees, but like it was a big building, you know? I don't know how many people were in that building, but it was big. And I would go in, because they would allow it, I would just use my badge and there would be the janitor in there and I would go in at 6.30 in the morning and stay until like 8.30 at night. And I would just listen and play like all the top reps calls and I would listen to them. And I started to realize, okay, the script's a guide. I can use my personality and yada, yada. But anyway, during this time, so like the first probably four months that I was at that job, I don't even know if I closed one deal. I don't think I did. Like I was terrible. I was not good. If I closed, it wasn't that many. My manager had to close it for me. I definitely like, I definitely went like a huge, huge, you know, dry streak in that first four months to the point where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. But I was like, no, that goes against everything that I'm learning. And so... Um, I really started just really going deep with the meditation and the affirmations and with the writing. And literally, like, a month later, everything changed. And I was killing it. And I was a top person. You know, I was always, like, number one, number two, always. And um, what I can say is even though I didn't close anything, like, the first four months of that year, by the end of that year, I made almost $200,000, you know? And I was the number one person you know, I was always the top person, you know, at the company, um, got President's Club, and I was just like, wow, this stuff works. And because of that, um, how to, an- long way to answer your question, um, but I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, if this can do this in this area of my life, like, because then I was just start making more and more money. I was like, okay, like, where's an area that I can, like, use this stuff now? And I'm like, well, my dating life, bleh, you know, down the toilet. <laughs> and so, and again, it sounds so cheesy. But you know what? I don't care. It works. So, whatever. Um, but I started writing down. I did a couple things. Um, I wrote down every day in my journal 
I am so happy and grateful now that I have my husband and so it is. And the other thing that I did, which is so, so crazy, um, is I went to the store and bought pink roses. I'm all about doing like little rituals and things, like all about it. And intentions. Yeah, no. Um, so I got these pink roses. I hung them upside down, um, like on my windowsill, so they would dry. And then once they were dried, I opened up my front door and... I would peel off, like, I would tear, like, a petal at a time off the roses. And as I did, I would throw them out the door and say, I am so happy and grateful now that I have my husband. And so it is. And, again, I don't even think it was a month. I think it was less than a month. Like, I don't think it took long at all. And David and I had, like, a divine, I don't even know to this day how to explain it. Um... It was just divine intervention. We were friends for a couple years, and we worked together. Um, and I never would have thought that we were going to date, you know. And it was definitely something out of this world that happened one night. And I believe that I attracted you because I started to put my focus on these things and like trick my subconscious mind into believing that I have those things. And that even leads me into ayahuasca. So again, once I realized that. I had, you know, attracted you and the stuff works. I started using my affirmations towards healing. And then that's when I attracted things that helped me in that area as well. Yep. So basically I'm your manifestation. Basically. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was crazy on a side note there. We basically fell in love overnight, uh, engaged in two months, married in seven months, which everyone thought we were crazy, but more than two years later, it's great. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, great. We got to that part. So at this point, we're dating, and I'm still going to be interviewing her in this process. This is a little unique uh, because we're married. I'm, I'm married to the uh, interviewee here. But we're dating, and during this time, there's just still all these horrible physical symptoms. There's this constant anxiety, still on the Xanax for, what, 20 years now. So what we did, I knew in my heart that Z I, I never have liked pharmaceuticals, and I knew they weren't good, and I knew we had to at least wean her off of those to start. Uh, we had no clue how we were going to heal her. We were just still trying. We spent ridiculous thousands on Western medicine and even thousands more on Eastern medicine. We tried everything and nothing was. We get little tried hopes. Tried every kind of diet. Out every there? kind of. Well, let me let me back up for a second. So we weaned her off of Xanax um, uh, naturally. We which weaned was her off, hard. which was very difficult, but we did it naturally. But yeah. what we didn't realize was the Xanax was masking her feeling all of the feelings of the repressed stuff that was going on. So uh, I'm going to try and get this timeline right. Once the Xanax was gone, there was this bouts of rage that would come up. And it was so interesting because I know the real Megan. and But but what we, we were wondering where this anger and this rage was coming from well, it was this, we, we learned later, I'm not going to jump too far ahead here, but just to explain that part, Xanax, all that crap does is subdue everything from coming up. It doesn't let you feel the feelings. So she, she had to take it to get through her day to survive and try to live a normal life, but it was not letting you feel any of those feelings of those years decades of suppressed trauma was still built up in there so it started to have these little bouts of anger and rage that came up because the xanax was gone and no longer suppressing it now going forward we tried every freaking diet under the sun all meat diet no meat diet vegan well, 
vegetarian. For we, 20 years, I was gluten, dairy, and soy free. Yeah, everything made you like distend, uh, which was crazy. Uh, we tried at, we so many different diagnoses, spent tens of thousands on doctors, and literally nothing was working. We couldn't figure out what. I mean, I even tried energy healers, you know. There was a couple times that I tried energy healing, you know, where they're, you know, balancing my chakras. and But I honestly didn't even notice anything from those energy healers either. Which is, which is tough. Um, and then, you know, as we grew as, as, a, as, a, as a husband and wife, we started getting more and more into our daily routine, our routine of meditation, our routine of affirmations, prayer, writing. And we started to really tap into our divine guidance and signs. And we started to get signs that were starting to push us towards this incredibly powerful plant called ayahuasca, which we didn't know a lot about. We just heard about from friends and we started studying ayahuasca. And kind of, can you tell us how that came about and what your thoughts are, what your thoughts were about it, and what is it that made you decide, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot? Yeah, um, well, I had heard of it through you, mm-hmm. like, years before we ever even did it. You know, at that time, we had tried um, doing healing uh, via psychedelics. Um, we... Uh, dabbled with LSD and mushrooms, but we had the intention of using it for healing. Um, But, you know, we also learned things in this process. Moderation is everything. Um, It definitely definitely served its purpose. Um, There were times that were great, but there were times that weren't that I definitely realized that I definitely had suppressed trauma that needed to be healed. Um, and And what finally... You know, I say that because I remember you mentioning ayahuasca during those times. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, we, we didn't mess with that stuff, you know, anymore. We, we, we tested those waters and then, you know, time went on and I was getting worse and worse, you know. Like, and like when you hit on saying like there was these bouts of rage, it was the craziest thing for me because I was so self-aware. Like, I would literally be like, oh my gosh, why am I acting this way? And the anxiety and the PTSD would be so bad, but like, I couldn't control it, which which was crazy. It was almost like something else was in me acting this way. And like, I literally could not control it. And it was just becoming debilitating. And the nail biting was getting way worse. The insomnia was way worse. And so, you know, all these things, you know, I even think that Xanax had helped with me being intimate you know uh, because that's definitely an area that I had always had trouble with as well and so um yeah ayahuasca I I guess it came about because you know I you had mentioned it early on and I just completely shut it out Mm -hmm. I was like no it's dangerous there's people that have died there's no way end of story period and years went by and um then I started, like I said, I started doing affirmations on healing. I am so happy and grateful now that I am completely healed. And so it is. And I am healthy, whole, and complete. And I sleep, you know, eight hours a night. And all these things, you know, like just started write affirmations about healing. And it seemed like in no time that uh, we had a friend that um, had mentioned ayahuasca to you. And at that point, I was terrified of doing it. 
but I knew that I needed healing, so it was like, I have to do it. Yep, and so we took the plunge. We went over there, uh, we went to the ceremony, and we'll have to do another episode as I see where we have about four and a half minutes left, so to kind of tie this up, we took the plunge into ayahuasca, and it was like a holy sci-fi movie. <laughs> it was uh, incredibly scary, but beautiful, and uh you know again we'll have to do another episode here as we only have about it looks like four minutes left on here um so to try and hit the high points of it literally and i would love to hear your version but as watching you and being there with you through this process it was so beautiful and scary but so beautiful to see how this incredible plant medicine truly made you go within yourself process and feel all that trauma it was like 10 years of therapy in one night i know that sounds extreme but i don't know how else to do it if you uh, can it sum it up in a three minutes t- tell me your experience at ayahuasca i mean it was terrifying it felt like an exorcism um no it was horrible it was horrible like the process was horrible i remember like during it i was just like i i just want to survive this like I was just felt half alive. It was so intense, which yes, we'll have to do another episode on that. Um, I just wanted it to end and I was just like, I'm never doing this again. And the next day I was a different person though. Yeah, and I think that's the key of it. You know, as tough as it was, uh, you know, it's not might not be that tough for everyone. I had a different experience. I didn't have the trauma, but I had a very divine kind of beautiful clarity ex- purpose experience. As tough as it was for her, she woke up the next day a complete... She's the same person, but her tra- her suppressed trauma was gone. The nail biting was gone. gone. I've not bitten my nails since that day, which is insane. I've done it my whole life. Whole the PTSD is gone. The anxiety in my chest is gone. The popping joints, the dislocating joints, it's all gone. I mean, I would say that I got 80% healing that night. Yeah, I still have insomnia. There's still some other things. You know, I've even done... You know what's crazy? Real hit on this I did sleep studies and they showed that my brain frequencies indicated that I was in significant pain but it was emotional pain you know but yeah I mean it's it's something that it's like an onion it peels the layers and so I'm definitely even though I'm terrified of ayahuasca um, I am going back for round two in April <laughs> um, for you know or whenever it is but um, because I just have the intention of healing, you know, the insomnia or healing the intimacy and, and, and things of that nature. But it, it is a very powerful plant medicine. Um, it's definitely not a recreational drug and you definitely should be called to it. Um, but it's scary. And like you said, it's beautiful. Absolutely. And uh, we only have one minute, about a minute, 20 left. So We're going to, our next episode, uh, I want to do a part two of this, going into more about the ayahuasca ceremony, Um, and I want to go into a bit bit about my addiction, how I healed my addiction, uh, what I had issues with with drinking in my past uh, through responsible psychedelic usage, uh, as well as meditation affirmations, and what ended up 
me being growing a, a pretty powerful relationship with my creator, uh, thanks to my incredible wife. But we'll do part two here shortly on uh, ayahuasca, that uh, that ceremony a little more in detail. Um, but at the end of the day, she healed. At the end of the day, she healed. And it was a different 80% completely healed of 30 plus years of trauma in one night. I, If I didn't see it myself, it would be hard for me to believe it. So it was beautiful. Yeah. And I just want to say thanks for, for listening. Yes. And Yeah, and um, have a great night and happy healing. Happy healing, everyone. We can't wait to have a lot more conversations, dive into healing, and help heal the world one mindset, one soul at a time. Happy healing. We have love for every one of you.